From the food we eat, the air we breathe, the land we dwell, to the health of our body and mind, and the well-being of all things in the universe. Unlock the science with Chula Radio Plus. Welcome to Unlock the Science. This is Lawan Jirasuladet. Climate change is in our agenda today. How it has affected our global marine ecosystems, which has undoubtedly impacted on our livelihood. Since the year 2020, the world was unprecedentedly afflicted with COVID-19 pandemic. Human lives and activities were slowed down, same as transportation, business, and industry. Effects of climate change should have been mitigated, just the opposite. Most climate change indicators are hitting record levels. Whether they are the rising temperature, greenhouse gas concentrations, changes in the ocean such as rising sea level, ocean heat, ocean acidification, losing sea ice extent in Arctic and Antarctic, and even melting glaciers. Climate change effects polarize into global warming and global cooling. However, global warming has increasingly disrupted the environment. World Meteorological Organization, or WMO, the United Nations Agency for Weather, Climate and Water, has confirmed that the year 2020 was one of the warmest years on record and it will get warmer and warmer. What's more, the organization said, all data sets agree that ocean warming rates show a particularly strong increase in the past two decades and across all depth. A new analysis by scientists from China and United States also shows that temperatures in the upper 2,000 meters of the ocean hit a record high in 2020. Ocean warming threatens marine ecosystems, in which coral reefs are of vital importance. Corals create reefs, which provide shelters and food sources for sea life, including many species of fish. The reefs also help protecting coastal lines. We, the human being, benefit a great deal from biodiversity of coral reefs. However, Global warming has become a major threat to coral reef ecosystems, as warmer ocean is a main cause of coral breaching. Scientists are paying more attention to climate change in the polar regions, as sea ice in Arctic Ocean has been retreating, and an Antarctic ice sheet is losing mass. In the North Pole, Arctic is an ocean covering with thick sea ice, two to three meters deep. Arctic Ocean is circled by lands such as Alaska, Canada, and Greenland. These territories are facing problems of melting sea ice and glaciers. On the other hand, in Siberia, forest fires have become more frequent and severe. The report of the year 2020 published by Intergovernmental Panels on Climate Change say contemporary September sea ice extent in Arctic Ocean 
are so low that they are unprecedented in at least 1,000 years. Let us turn to Antarctic in the South Pole, which is a continent twice the size of Australia. It is practically covered with very thick ice sheet, more than 2,000 meter thickness on average, making it the largest single mass of ice on Earth. Antarctic ice sheet contains 90% of the world's fresh water, enough to raise sea level by around 60 meters were it all to melt, according to WMO. This UN agency reported that in the almost 40 years between 1979 and 2017, the amount of ice lost each year increased at least sixfold from the year before. Antarctic is surrounded by Southern Ocean, which connects Pacific, Atlantic, and Indian Oceans. For this reason, climate change in the Southern Ocean threatens wider marine ecosystems. Scientists whose countries are members of the Antarctic Treaty have set up stations in Antarctic since the 1960s to operate scientific research. Currently, there are 54 member countries in this treaty. Thailand has not yet joined it. In 2004, however, a scientist from Jualongon University, Dr. Waranop Wiyakan, became the first scientist from Thailand to be selected to join the Japanese Antarctic Research Expedition. Japan is a member of the Antarctic Treaty. Five years later, in 2009, his colleague, also a marine biologist from Jualongon University, Dr. Sushana Chawanit, passed the selection to explore Antarctic with all-male crew of Japan Chowa Station. Both Sushana and Waranop are teammates at the university's Department of Marine Science. Their prominent project of achievement is mass coral culture using sexual reproduction technique. When Sushana visited Antarctic the second time in 2014, she worked with the team of China's Great Wall Station. This time, she got the chance to dive in the frigid waters to collect marine samples the first Thai person to do so. Four years later in 2018, she went to the other side of the pole and dived in the Arctic Ocean. The Arctic expedition is an all-members of Thai nationals of 13 persons. Among them were four researchers from Jualongon University, of which two were PhD students. Associate Professor Suchana Chawanit shared her observation of climate change in the North and South Poles with Unlock the Science and told why we need to be concerned. To study in the Pole, North and South Pole, Arctic or Antarctic is not just relevant just only to me or scientists, but it is relevant to everyone. Now we have confirmed that both Arctic and Antarctic are act as a sink place. So what I mean is that because of the earth rotations and because of the wind, so all pollution that we create around the world end up into this area, north and south pole. 
So it is our responsibility to do something to protect the nature there. And second, studying in Antarctica can help us to predict what will happen to this world. Scientists have found that when they have dig the ice core down to about two kilometers, those ice core can tell us what the Earth like seven hundred thousand years ago. So to predict what the Earth will be, the more information related to the past we have, the more accurate future prediction will be. What kind of climate change evidence did you experience in Antarctic and Arctic? I saw baby penguins were dying. It's quite oh, no. sad, though, um, because they were starving, and their parents went out to find some food. But because of the climate change, sea ice melting, it made those penguins take longer time to find the food and could not come back to see the baby penguin on time. So right now, the rate of survival of the baby penguin is less than ten percent. This is quite low compared to before. That was more than fifty percent survival rate, and it also happened with the baby seals. Many baby seals are dying because they are starving, and their parents cannot come back on time. So when I saw that, uh, I'm very very sad. In this, it's very sad story. And how about in the Arctic? Well, in the Arctic, um, the last trip that I uh, went two years ago, on the land I saw polar bear, which is a mascot, right? But I didn't see them on ice. I saw them on the cliff eating the glass and moss. Actually, those polar bear do not want to be a vegetarian. Okay, they want to eat seals because. They want more fat, but because now sea ice is melting, those bears cannot go to find seals. Sea ice is like a bridge for the bear to meet the seals. So, when the there is no sea ice, no more chance for polar bear to see the seals. And uh, you got to dive in the freezing waters at the China Great Wall Station. How difficult was it diving in Antarctic Sea? Well. I had to train a lot, both physical, mental, and my diving skill with the zero degree temperatures. You know, water temperatures. I had to have a a special dry suit for this diving. So prepare the mentality is very important for for diving in Antarctic. You can imagine. Once you jump into the zero degrees water temperature. Your face will be first suddenly numbed, and then um, you can have what we call the ice cream headache. Okay, and then we had to make sure while we dive down there, we would not go over limit, or else our body will get shocked easily. So it is quite dangerous to dive down there. So preparations, a good preparations is required. And how different the sea floor? Compared to Thai seas and corals, definitely is totally different. The number of animal in the water over there much lower than compared to the Thai seas, and the color definitely is not colorful as the Thai sea. But actually, in Arctic or even in Antarctic, 
they have their own unique in terms of beautiful of the life under the sea ice. This is actually for Thai sea, we don't have sea ice. So we would not see those kind of creatures that occur under the sea ice. Mm -hmm. Any uh, corals? Oh, very good questions. Um, if um, the water is not too cold, we can see uh, what we call soft coral, not hard coral like we see in Thailand. But if we go up, 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 up further, then we will not see the soft coral anymore. Usually we will see a creel or, you know, some fish, but just only a couple species of fish um, because it's too cold. So the, the number of the animal that we found that is very low compared to the Thai waters. Let's take a short break. When we return, we will learn about coral restoration. You are listening to Unlock the Science on Chula Radio Plus. Corals are tiny animals. What we see and call corals rooting on sea floors in the shape of branch or rock are actually their colonies, where thousands of tiny coral polyps live. They create limestone skeleton to protect their soft bodies. These limestone colonies stack up in reef formation. Coral reefs in Thailand used to boast one of the best in the world. In the past few decades, there has been severe coral breaching in the seas in Thailand due to global warming. When corals breach, they become sick and are unlikely to reproduce. Although they can heal themselves, but it takes a long time. The process is often interrupted by more stresses from pollution, fishing, tourism, and coastal activities. Breaching can make them die as well. Many organizations, including Jilalongkorn University, have joined hands working on coral restoration. There are several ways of coral restoration. One common method is to regrow corals using their broken pieces. However, at Reef Biology Research Group, Sushana and her team decided on a different method to create more genetic diversity and resistance. In 2006, they succeeded in mass culture corals with sexual reproduction method for the first time in Southeast Asia. It took them five years to develop the technique. Usually, coral spawning in Thailand occurs around January to March. Each coral releases only one batch of eggs and sperms once a year, mostly at night. The spawning, however, no longer occurs as mass spawning when entire colony releases eggs and sperm or at once, but small and scattering. This is because corals have adapted their spawning behaviors due to fluctuating temperature in the sea. Besides, releasing time is very short, about 15 minutes. So it is very challenging for the research team to collect enough eggs and sperm for their technique development. The research team set up hatchery facility in Samasan Island, south of Pattaya City. After artificial fertilization, the team nurtures corals till they reach juvenile stage of two years when they grow about two centimeters, 
before put them back in the sea. They can now produce four to five thousand plates of young coral per year. The reef biology research team set a world record in 2019 when they were able to reproduce table corals from frozen sperms. Suchana, who calls herself a family planner for coral reefs, is continuing to use this creole preservation technique to find ways to reproduce table corals with frozen eggs. We will hear more of her reef biology research work. As I said earlier, that uh, we know that the climate change is real and happening now, and the animals in Arctic and Antarctic have to adapt themselves very hard, trying to survive. So in Thailand, we have coral reef ecosystem, which is considered to be the most beautiful and most diverse compared to other ecosystems. But the coral is also the most sensitive animal. So if the water temperature rises just only one degree centigrade, coral can breach and eventually die. So what we learn from the Arctic and Antarctic is that we try to help our coral reef to be able to adapt or resist to the environmental change. That's what we are now trying to do. How did you do that? Well, uh, actually, um, coral is like an animal, right? Uh, they can adapt themselves to the environmental change, but it has to take some time. It's not like a human. Human, we adapt very quickly. So what happened in Arctic and Antarctic that we saw, and we can learn from that, is that Arctic and Antarctic, the change is so rapidly, and that's why animals cannot really adapt themselves on time. So now, fortunately, those impacts of the climate change we still see little in this area. So what we try to do now, for example, scientists, we try to find the coral species that have more resistance to the uh, change of the environment. And what uh, we do is that after we find them, we try to multiply them. This is one of the examples. All the things that I try is that I train the coral themselves. Try to train them to have more resistance to the environmental change. So this is the example. Can you elaborate a little bit about the train the coral? Well, right now, uh, we culture the coral, right, uh, in a hatchery. We call, you know, it's mass culture because we, we produce a lot. So what happens is that we have to raise them about two years in the hatchery before we release them back to the ocean. First, we thought that oh, two years is take a lot of time, a lot of money too. But eventually, we found that it's very useful because during the two years, at first we didn't expect it, but because we have a not you know high budget, we have a low budget. So our system, our hatchery, I always say that it's like a one-star hotel. So <laughs> the coral have to, you know, kind of fight with the temperature that always high, higher than normal. You know, the light, sometimes it's too high, sometimes it's too low. The water is not really changing all the time. So during the two years, eventually it's pay off because they have to fight and eventually they can survive. 
So later, when we put them back into the ocean during the breaching event, they can survive perfectly. So this is the thing that actually, right now in other countries, they're also doing, try to prove to that the coral themselves actually can adapt, uh, but it takes some time. How successful when you put them back to the surviving rate? Very good questions. More than 80-90%. Oh. Yeah. That's quite high. Yeah, right. Mm. How significant is it to start coral artificial fertilization with frozen sperms? Right now, because of the global warming and the climate change, this can reduce the abilities of coral to, um, in terms of producing or releasing egg and sperm. So we try to find a way to keep those coral egg and sperm in the frozen situations or what we call the cryopreservation. So in case if the coral cannot be able to produce or release those egg and sperm anymore, we can ensure that we still have that egg and sperm in the bank and we can be able to reintroduce those egg and sperm and artificial fertilize again. How efficient is your method compared to the common one where people just reglow corals with broken pieces? Actually, um, when we're going to restore the coral, there are several methods. And the one that you uh, just mentioned, we call fragmentation. Uh, it's kind of uh, sexual reproduction. They don't need egg and sperm. So this take actually the technique, those techniques that you mentioned and the technique that I'm doing now, they are pros and cons. Uh, for the fragmentation, the good thing is that you don't really require a lot of knowledge and it's quite cheap. We, we did compare the price too. It's like uh, when you plant a tree and if you want to, you know, make into a mini, mini small baby tree, you could do a fragment, you know, make into pieces and put them into a new substrate and they just grow very fast, very quickly. But um, the weak point of that technique is that the baby, um, if you do with the coral, the baby coral that you generate, the genetic will be identical to the one that you make as a parent. So in terms of natural, the identical genetics, you know, the less diverse genetic is not really good. But for my technique, well, the, the good thing is that because we produce from egg and sperm, so definitely the baby coral that come out will have high diversity of genetics, which is good. So we can ensure that uh, they can have ability to cope or to adapt, resist to the environmental change. But for my technique also have a big point is that it's quite expensive because, you know, they have to grow from like a seed, you know, to a big one. And then it's required a lot of knowledge. Uh, first, we have to know when they're going to spawn. So coral not spawn every day, every night. No, they spawn once a year and we have to fight it. And then uh, in my case also, we have to raise them for two years before release them back into the ocean. Also, it's money there. So we compare the price. The price that for the fragmentation and the price that we're working right now for one baby coral that produce for the fragmentation it costs just only one US dollar. But for my techniques, one hundred US dollar. Oh, one hundred times. Yep. Right. So how positive you think 
in terms of the work you've been doing with your research group? In terms of the methodology, we already introduced this methodology to the Department of Marine and Coastal Resources, and uh, they, they're happy to, to use our uh, methodology, which is good. But the other thing and the other jobs that I think um, is our job too is not just only doing a research, but what we try to do is to send the message out to the people, that non-scientists, local people, you know, the kid, kid that the coral is so important. The conservation, you know, is a must. And to do that, they really have to understand what happened right now and how they can help and do it. So a lot of time, we will organize the camp, you know, on activities and let the local people to come and join. Because we scientists, we can help. But eventually, we cannot do alone. We need all the partner. And those local people will be a very important sector to carry on all those conservation further. We may not see those beautiful coral reefs in the future. That is not only a hard truth, but also a disaster. Because marine biodiversity will be ruined and thousands of species will vanish. And this is only one sample of the crisis climate change brings. Thank you for reminding us, Associate Professor Dr. Suchana Chawanit of Department of Marine Science, Faculty of Science, Jhulalongkorn University. And thank you for listening. See you next Saturday. Unlock the Science is edited and produced by Sinfa Tunsorawut with Lawan Jirasurade as the program host and co-producer. <laughs>